What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me as always is the man who reminds me to find joy, even during sorrowful times, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yeah, and you know, sometimes that's really hard to live, that good news, because, yeah, we have sufferings, especially as we get older, we experience those sufferings that we watched our parents go through as kids, but now we are at a point of experiencing it directly. So it's a, it's transforming and a suffering. Oh, but at the same time, I I have all the hope for. And to explain for our listeners, you know, it's been one of those weeks where we have lots of joy and we had family coming to visit. And yet at the same time, we heard terrible news, not once, but twice that people that we loved passed away this week and of course one for me and i have been announcing for our listeners here locally the owner of queen of peace bookstore in vancouver alice bennett passed away now she was older in years and it was one of those passings where you knew that it was coming and yet yeah it it was hard to accept i learned so much about my faith because of that woman, as so many people did in the area. She started this little Catholic bookstore in in our city with just a few holy cards and a couple of books. And over the years that she owned that bookstore on Grand Avenue, it grew and grew until it eventually took up three office spaces in the in the building. And I had the fortune of working with her for so many years and learned again about my faith, learned about prayers, even just very logistical things how important it was to have that in my life and to have her friendship. And we had to say goodbye to her this week. Yeah, so many times I've come into that bookstore to help her out with whatever she needed help with as I was waiting for you to finish your day. And she would give me literally the most mundane tasks, it would seem, but they created so much peace. It was like going into the back room at this Queen of Peace bookstore, doing something, putting something together in the quiet It was contemplative. It was the space was itself a place that you could gain spiritual energy from. And I think that's her her gift to us is that she maintained that meek building. There was nothing fancy about that building, but she kept that together. And it was a commitment to Mary from a trip that she took to Medjugorje. And so I felt a direct connection since my dad and I went to Medjugorje back in 2011 that she is so inspired by Mary as my dad was before he passed. It was Medjugorje that gave him the strength to pray the rosary every day of his remaining life after my mom had passed. So, yeah, so those connections, I think about those because of, uh, of uh, Alice's commitment to Jesus and Mary from that experience that she had. And in the case of the second friend that we had to say goodbye to, of course, also connected to Medjugorje, her mother was the the tour guide of the trip that you took with your father to Medjugorje. They were so dedicated to that tour. And it was one of those things where a trip was coming together. And she said, we've got these spaces. You should come, Scott. And you said, 
okay, and I'm going to bring my dad. And that started such a wonderful relationship with with the family and then to know that that her daughter had passed away who had been suffering, you know, for quite a number of years. And it's hard, you know, living in this world just because we're Catholic and we have the fullness of the faith does not mean that we are not going to suffer. Christ told us there will be suffering in this world. Exhorts the disciples to remember that fact because they're going to face tremendous challenges in the years to come, which, you know, leads to the whole experience that we're going to be able to focus on today later about the transfiguration. So how do we get transfigured in our life to, uh, to follow in hope that is rooted in faith, which is not complete understanding. Faith is not complete understanding. Faith is faith. If we had complete understanding and facts, we wouldn't need faith. But in a moment like this, that is what we cling to, and that is what God wants us to cling to, because Christ makes that very clear. Well, we have a great show for you today, because as Scott mentioned, this month of August, we got an opportunity to celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration. That happened earlier in the month, August 6th. And for our interview today, we had a wonderful opportunity and a special guest on the Morning Blend. Many in the area know Father Tim Mekaitis. He is the pastor at Queen of Peace Church in Salem. He will be joining us today because we talked about the transfiguration. He broke open what that means, what that story calls us to, and a very personal story about his own vocation and the transfiguration that's coming up. And then after that, we want to just share with you how we can experience as Catholics transfiguration in our own lives through some of the most uh, simplest of acts with one another that we can break open God's presence and be transformed by that simple act. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. I've seen fire and I've seen rain seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you again The transfiguration of Jesus was a dazzling bright demonstration of our Lord being the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. Certainly, Peter, James, and John experienced a peak experience seeing this glorious revelation and hearing God call out, This is my son. One key aspect of this ties back to our daily lives. Jesus instructs his followers to stay quiet about this for now and proceed down the mountain. So it is with us. Past our most intimate experiences of God, we are called to joyfully and quietly go down from the mountain to everyday life, to our workplaces and our homes, to live faithfully as a Christian in the happenings of daily life, to love others, to heal others, and serve our neighbors with humility and gladness, to forgive others until the day of the resurrection. This is Michael Gisandi with a bit of Catholic encouragement. Greetings and blessings to all of you listening to Mater Day Radio. Join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, and other listeners of Mater Dei Radio in this prayer to St. Joseph. Let us pray. St. Joseph, you are the chaste and loving spouse of the Virgin Mary, the foster father of Jesus, the protector and provider of the Holy Family and all families. We have complete confidence 
in your loving care for new life and in your fidelity to the family. We commend our efforts to your prayers and protection. Help us always to defend the gift of human life that it may grow to the abundance of eternal life promised and bestowed on us by your Son, our brother, Jesus Christ. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. Why do you listen to Mater Day Radio? Is it for the prayers, Catholic news and education, or to be inspired? Whatever your reason for listening, we are grateful for your support. And as we surpass 30 years of broadcasting a gospel message, we hope you will consider leaving a legacy for Mater Day Radio in your estate planning. This can be as easy as including Catholic Radio as a beneficiary in your will. For more information on estate planning options, please visit us online at materdayradio.com. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. The Transfiguration of the Lord. Now, the word transfiguration comes from Latin roots, and it signifies a change of form or appearance. And this is what happened to Jesus in this event. His appearance changed became glorious. Joining me this morning to help us understand this miraculous event is Father Tim Mekaitis from Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Salem. Good morning, Father Tim. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Brenda. It's wonderful to be with you again. The story of the Transfiguration, it is one that just gets your imagination going, and there's so much to understand in this event. I'd love for you to help us break this open. Tell us a little bit about it, because like I said in the open, I, I remember this story even as a child, and you can just imagine the way this story is told being on this mountaintop. Kind of share with our listeners what this story is. Sure. Well, it's very clear what the apostles, what these three particular apostles that, that Jesus chose to come up a high mountain with him, uh, Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. And um, so Peter and James and John, and uh, clearly Peter would have been very uh, dear to Jesus. He had not long before confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Gospel for Mass yesterday indeed told that. Um, So Peter, James, and John uh, are chosen by Jesus to come up a high mountain. We don't exactly know where that is. Traditionally, Mount Tabor in Israel, about central Israel, um, is the spot of the uh, of the transfiguration. It's certainly a high mountain in a plain. And so he took them up, he invited them to come up to the, to the top of the mountain. They didn't know why, what was going to happen. And as the story relates, suddenly he becomes somehow transfigured. Now that's a word that we don't use very much, and even transfigured, what does that mean? Scholars say it's something like a metamorphosis, a change in form, that he was no longer in his human body, in his human form, that what they saw was Christ in divine glory, uh, shining brighter than the sun, they said, his clothes, his face, and um, standing there, suddenly appearing with Moses and Elijah, the great prophet Elijah and the great Moses, uh, who led the people from slavery to freedom, the central figure in the Jewish uh, story, of course. 
And Moses and Elijah were just suddenly appearing with Jesus in this transfigured form, shining brightly. Apparently, they could look at him, even though he was shining so brightly. Peter blurts out in Peter form, <laughs> right? Lord, it's good that we are here. Let me build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Let's kind of just, let's just sort of sit here and absorb this wonderful glory that we all are in. And then suddenly a cloud overshadows them, always a symbol of God's presence in the scriptures. The cloud appears and from the cloud, a voice comes, this is my, the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Important line, listen to him. When Jesus was baptized by St. John the Baptist in the Jordan, they heard, or someone heard, certainly John the Baptist heard the same voice, this is my Son, my beloved. And so there's this immediate identification with this transfigured form you see now, Christ in divine glory, <clears throat> that this is the Son of God that Peter had proclaimed not long before. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Obviously, the other apostles are speechless. It's that when, they, when the cloud came, they fell down in awe and wonder and likely were frightened, as I think any one of us would have been, uh, not knowing what this all, this sensory overload experience what this must have been is hard to imagine. And then suddenly it's over. So it may have lasted just a brief moment of a vision, a momentary vision of Christ in glory with Moses and Elijah. And um, then Jesus just walks up to them and they look up and there is Jesus as they have always known him in his, uh, in his humanity, in his human form. And he says to them, which is always a curious thing, don't tell anyone about this. How could you possibly keep that a secret? Right. <laughs> I don't know. But don't tell anyone about this until the Son of Man rises from the dead. And remember, again, too, Jesus said, after Peter proclaimed him the Christ, the Son of the living God, he began to speak to them about his suffering and death. And so there's something here about the purpose of this, about preparing them, these three apostles in particular, who would support the others, these particular apostles, preparing them for the coming passion and death. Did they totally comprehend it at the time? Likely not. Hmm. They had to go through the experience with our Lord. But, it, you know, this is a Hollywood uh, special effects moment. Right. <laughs> can imagine what they would have done. But nonetheless, it has far more significance than a Hollywood movie. It certainly is a, is a profound event, preparing these apostles and the other apostles for the coming suffering and death, which likely this event, scholars, we don't know exactly at what point, but it seems it was very close to the time of the uh, Last Supper and the capture in the garden, the suffering and crucifixion, you know, to assure them that what they will experience in this is part of the will of God, part of the journey that they too must walk with the Lord. So it must have been just a, a, an incredible moment of uh, overwhelming uh, wonder, I'm sure. As I said in the beginning, it is one of these stories that really gets your imagination. And Father Tim, the way that you just portrayed it again, I just... I'm smiling, just imagining being on that mountaintop. Oh, Father Tim Mekaitis joining us today. Father Tim is the pastor of Queen of Peace Church in Salem. 
And Father Tim, in your own vocation as a priest, how does the story of the Transfiguration impact you and your ministry? Mm, It does, you know, in a number of ways, certainly by everything I've said, certainly understanding that, you know, giving my life to the Church nearly 43 years ago when I was ordained, um, I've had my crosses, I've had my resurrections, I've had my my stumbling and my questioning and my doubts and my frustrations, haven't we all in our ways? But I think for, uh, so then for me personally, it's part of that, part of the priestly journey. It's part of the Christian walk with the Lord. But also, uh, very personally, um, August 6th um, is a very important day for me personally. It's a, you know, we have the experience in life that we sort of, never forget. Mm -hmm. You know, for some of us who are around my age, we remember vividly the assassination of President John Kennedy. Others younger, maybe it's 9-11 or Vietnam War or something. Those are moments that we never forget. They impact our life. 6th of August, I I was on retreat preparing for ordination. And August 6th that year, 1978, was a Sunday. And, um, and so we celebrated the Feast of the Transfiguration on Sunday Mass when I was on retreat, and suddenly we got news that Pope, Pope St. Paul VI had, had passed away. We knew he was gravely ill, but that we had news that the Pope had died. And so there was you know, the usual kind of, you know, mourning and, you know, shock, and always a question, well, who's next, you know? Well, I was ordained a week later, but there was no Pope. <laughs> so wow. it was... Sadie Vacante, the year I was ordained at the at the moment, just one week later after the uh, after he passed away, and then of course uh, not long after that we have a new pope. I was a priest by the time, of course, and John Paul I is elected, the smiling Italian, you mm-hmm. know, wonderful man it seemed, and it was going to bring great you know joy to the church and a lot of optimism. One month later, John Paul I passes away, right, and then. A few weeks later, John Paul II, this wonderful young Polish pope, comes along. And um, and so it was the year of three popes, 1978, the year of three popes, Paul VI, John Paul I, and John Paul II, all within a matter of two or three months uh, toward the second half of 1978. So it was uh, it was quite a moment, you know, quite a moment. Uh, uh, I was excited about the, the priesthood. I knew where I was going. I was taking a little vacation with other uh, two or three other brother priests, and we're having a good time, and then we get word about John Paul I. Mm. Then I'm in my parish the first month, and here John Paul I passes away. And I remember the pastor just shaking his head, and we're looking wow. at each other like, my goodness, you know, what happens now? Well, they elect another pope, so they did. And talk about a change in form for the Church to have oh. this new a uh, Polish pope, one yes. not had and an was, Itali- a non-Italian, first non-Italian, hundreds and hundreds of years, right? But it was it was an exciting time. Paul the Sixth was a saintly man. I mean, that's the pope that I grew up with during high school and college and seminary was Pope Paul the Sixth, and his uh, courage and his, you know, his uh, he was given a, a thankless task to re- regenerate the Second Vatican Council and then to implement the uh, the reforms. And then, of course, Humanae Vitae comes along, he publishes Humanae Vitae, and everybody is, um, you know, up in arms about that. And uh, 
So it was uh, it was uh, that 1978, that year from August 6th on, was a really, you know, it was a bit of a roller coaster emotionally for me personally, but mostly mostly joyful, mostly joyful, of course. Of course, always joyful. And what a blessing to have the many years of your vocation to serving all of us here in the Archdiocese of Portland. Thank you, Father, so much. God bless you. God bless you, Brenda. Bye-bye. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God. Scott, I cannot help when I hear hear the story of the transfiguration, I think about this song, By Mercy Me. Let us stay and rest in this holiness. That's what the apostles wanted to do. Peter like, well, let's, we're going to stay here and we're going to build some tents and we're just going to be in this presence. And yet Christ said, not only don't talk about what you saw, but you have to go back. You can't stay here. We are stuck in a little bit of a sorrow right now but we can't stay in this. God asks us to be transformed the way he was transfigured. And I think that's the the beautiful aspect of that whole story is the disciples think this is it and it's only just begun. And so like I think back on my ordination or I think back on our marriage and I think this is it. This is this is the high point of I've I've been a faithful person and here is a high point and I want to stay here. But I know that my life is going to go on, hopefully, thanks be to God. And in that life, I'm going to have many challenges. Just like the disciples, we're going to have many challenges. And Christ prepares them for those challenges to come by revealing the truth of who he is with Elijah and Moses. And they're just completely dumbfounded by what they see. But they have to go back down. And I think that's the sobering aspect of our maturity in faith. As we mature in our faith, we know in our heart of hearts that we have to go back down into the valley. I Driving over here today, seeing the people who are on the side of the road who are homeless, there's a tension there. There's a tension because you don't want to have to see that. But at the same time, that tension is, what am I doing to help those individuals? Not help, quote, the problem, help those individuals. And that is the call that Christ draws us to. The transfiguration occurs each and every moment in those simple ways that we take for granted oftentimes. Oh, it was hard to get over here and Mm. see that, knowing what we were going to be talking about today. So the walk back down the mountain, and here in Portland we have a Mount Tabor to give us that sense, particularly if you're driving down uh, 205. But that notion that we have to go back down into the valley take the good news and cling to that good news in faith, in faith. And I think Father addressed, he had doubts and we are going to have doubts in our life. But then those moments of certainty that like the disciples had on the mountain, that's what gives us strength to move to the next cross. Thinking about how you're explaining that now, it reminds us just even within our own marriage about the ebb and the flow of time together. There are times where the tide is high and we are just 
doing so well and we are close and we uh, are, are just really in high points. And there are times when that tide ebbs and we're having difficulty communicating and everything that we say seems to be viewed in the wrong light. And yet looking at the course of our whole marriage, more than 30 years from where we were first, you know, just these young people who got married on tax day because (laughs) we had no understanding of what it meant. The transfiguration of our own lives and the transfiguration of our own marriage, what we thought about and dealt with and planned for when we were first married versus what we plan for and think about and have to conquer after this many years, it's gotten more difficult, it seems like. Those problems can be so much bigger. It feels like maybe perhaps the way that the apostles did, that Christ's mission got more difficult after they came down from that mountain. And they were better prepared because of the transfiguration. And now some of the, the difficulties that we have to overcome, while they might be bigger, we have transformed and become closer to God so that we are better at really tackling them. An example of just that that doubt that Father spoke of and the struggles that he dealt with, thinking of just that notion of it was Peter who was on the mountain mm-hmm. with James and John, and it was Peter who denied Jesus three times. But his denial is not the end because he remembers that truth of what he saw and he asks for mercy. Oh, and it is not the end. And even saying goodbye to our friends, knowing that we are not going to see them again on this side of heaven, but that death is not the end, that Christ has conquered death and that we pray that their souls be glorified today with Christ. And we pray for all of us that our souls will rejoice one day with them and always with Christ Will you end us in a prayer? Yes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gift of showing us who you are in the transfiguration and leading us through our first Pope in St. Peter. Help us to follow this Pope with fidelity, trusting in his guidance and be with him in the transfiguration in our own lives as we struggle in these times but have great hope in our future through your presence. We ask you for this blessing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.